and uh, here we are today. And essentially, when we came to putting uh, these panels together, um, uh, Shane said to us, we've got to have a Judge Dredd panel. And we thought, no, you don't have to have a Judge Dredd panel, but we want to have a Judge Dredd panel because it's some Judge Dredd has been part of the tapestry of, of, of our adolescence, really, and our adulthood. It's always been there, and uh, hopefully it always will. But there are some questions we thought um, we'd get the seasoned veterans to help us explore. So, why don't we start at that end? Robbie, introduce yourself. Give us how long have you been? Who are you and how long have you been working? I am Robbie Morrison. I've been working on and off for 2000 AD for nearly 20 years. You'll be amazed to hear because obviously I still have my youthful complexion. Um, <laughs> uh, mainly I'm best known for writing Nikolai Dante in Shikara in 2000 AD, though I've be fortunate enough every now and again to sort of sneak in when John wasn't looking and write a few Judge Dredd stories as well. John? I'm John Wagner. I'm co-creator of Judge Dredd, Strontium Dog, Robo Hunter, a number of other things in 2008. Uh, I've been at it for nearly 40 years, which is frightening. There you are. Me? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm Carlos. I've been... Uh, 15 years, what is it, 2018? 15, 15, yeah, one five. <laughs> <laughs> I've done this before, haven't I? <laughs> before I don't remember. And, uh, what? Yeah, I am uh, like a partner with John Wagner. Uh, most of the characters we create... We Just a work partner. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we, we get asked the same question. <laughs> You can't be that lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you talking to? <laughs> I don't know to your friend. Yeah, artist on Just Dread. Uh, been doing it for like, since 1991. Um, just completed a book with John Wagner here, uh, Just Dread, called Dark Justice. Uh, also working Magic the Gathering. Warcraft, films, lots of various other kind of things as well. Thank you. So, our esteemed panel here. Um, so, where do we start? Let's start. Uh, um, let's start with uh, Dred's creation, really. So, this is essentially to you guys. Um, what percentage of Judge's, Judge Dred's character and his look were driven by storytelling, or was it by just pure imagination and fun? Or what you wanted to say with the character. Where, 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 do, where do the roots of Dredd's appearance and manner come from? Well, uh, his appearance is nothing like I envisaged. I, uh, when I created the story, when I wrote the first script, all I did was I cut out from a newspaper the advert for Death Race 2000 with <laughs> David Carradine and I sent it to him. And uh, came back, it was a bloody Spanish pirate. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm not drawing that story, that's ridiculous. And, you know, as often in my career, I was wrong. Because uh, the look has been the thing that sustained Dredd throughout all these years, I think. So, you know, he's got to strike lucky once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> and for you, what, what was it that, what, you know, what? Uh, for me, not. <clears throat> Even if he say like a bloody Spanish pirate and so on, it was a very logical thing when I um, created. 
my, my original idea was okay, he's a policeman, so he has to be protected, you know, like an American football player, uh, shoulders, elbows, and so on. And, um, and then I said, okay, if in the future it will be a lot of crazy people, so uh, he has to be recognized from very far away. So that was the reason I pushed the eagle, a symbol of uh, authority, plus uh, it's the American symbol, and uh, you can say it's the fascist symbol in one sense. So everything together was, was in there. In, but mainly because he can be recognized from far away. To, and to what, to what extent did it owe something to the uh, Franco regime in Spain? Yeah, well, with, uh, I come from, from the Franco regime, so the, um, the badge it was taken from a coin, from a 25 pesetas coin. So the idea was exactly like this. is uh, a seal, and then behind is an eagle with the... With the with the wings extended. So practically I took that from, from the coin. And uh, it, was, it was a little bit mm, influenced, I was a little bit influenced by that. Then also I say, okay, he's going so much protected and so on, he's going riding a bike. Most of the time he's in the bike. So if he want to draw the pistol, it's not very comfortable to draw the pistol from the, from the hip. So I put the pistol in the, on the leg, that was the reason uh, it's far more easy, and especially if he's driving a chopper uh, than, than from the hip. And what else? The helmet, it was, I base, he was, he said he was a judge, jury, and executioner. So I look in the, the for, uh, my idea was from one of these hoods, from uh, the executioner from the Middle Ages. You know, it's all black with the, with the eyes. And also mix a little bit with the mm, Spartan fighters. So it was, the idea was more or less. So the, there was death. actually some logic behind it. <laughs> 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 I often wonder. <laughs> Everything I do normally is, has a lot of logic. And, uh, so, and the curious thing is that today, many of the, of the policemen, when they are Riot, anti-riot, policemen, they look very similar. So. Well, again, it's that, it's the, I think for me, as a kid, I mean, the 11-year-old version of me is sitting here just clapping his hands. Um, because I grew up with, with 2000 AD. That was like the first comic that I kind of read that was my comics. Before that, I was getting hand-me-down Marvel comics from my older brothers. And um, I was always aware that 2000 AD was a kind of comic that I couldn't really show my mum that I was reading. That makes sense. It was always, you know, because I was kind of reading thinking, they've just destroyed our whole city. I'm sure I can't tell mum that I've just read this comic, you know. And um, I kind of got the idea of why we had Judge Dredd and the creation of Judge Dredd. Do you think that's something that new readers still get now, that reason for having Judge Dredd in the first place? Uh, well... Yeah, I, well, I think that if you look around the world, you'll see that Judge Dredd exists in many, many countries. Uh, worse things go on than Judge Dredd ever does, so I think it's perfectly um, relatable to, to kids today who know anything about what goes on in the world. I sort of think the idea of um, 
judge, jury and executioner in the one institution, or in this case in the one man, is quite fascinating and just raises all sorts of moral issues as well. Obviously, I mean, we're taking up the UK because now it all seems to be, the police work over here seems to be more yeah. paperwork than anything. <laughs> but you look at the police in the favelas of yeah. Rio de Janeiro, I mean, they go around, they have hit lists, and they go around, they've got a quota to kill today. Dread's you know, never that bad. I mean, it's bad. <laughs> do you see him, and it's a question to everyone, is do you see him as, as a hero? Sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes as a villain. I think that's his strength, that he's both. Yeah. Uh, it's like uh, having Roy Rogers and Judge Death in one nice package. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think is great? Because like, when, when you when you come to draw dread, because I'm just looking at this, which no one else can see, so it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a, you know, it's a very heroic pose. So when you're thinking of dread, what are you, you know, what, what's going on the page? It's well, I was actually based on a fascist poster. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just, uh, I don't know. I kind of try to put a certain amount of realism into it. Not when I was younger. When I was younger, it was all very cartoony, or kind of based on. The painted style when I first started was very Simon Bisley and it was all this. But I was very young. I started like 18, 19. You know, I'm a couple of years old now. <laughs> so uh, I'm much more, he's, he's, a, he's, I treat him like a real person. If he is like a person. He, but he's, he's not one dimensional. I'm never, I don't see him like that at all. I just see him as extremely driven. And he doesn't know what's driving him other than the law. You know, that's it. So he is a hero. But he doesn't care if he's not the hero, he just cares about the law. That's Has it. he become, just because we've seen a lot of, uh, late, seen a lot of doubt come into Dread about has he become more hero-like? I struggle with him with a gun. It's not, that's my own issue. It's just like, as I've got older, I struggle with guns in the world in general. So it's kind of like, I, it has a lot more weight if I, if I paint Dread. If I see him with a gun, you know, it's kind of like that means more than what it used to. It just used to be a cool image. Now it's it's kind of like so. There's some real weight behind it, you know. You know, but, uh, you can't do dread without his gun or his <laughs> or his baton, you know. Yeah, that's what makes it. Has he become more hero-like or less hero-like? No, I just always say he is the law. The law has good elements, and the law has. <laughs> Bad elements that we all, you know, the law gets wrong sometimes, but he kind of represents the letter of the, the law, the good and the bad. Of it. I think he's become a wee bit more likable over the past what thirty years, but uh, he's still the basic same hard case as he always was. Just uh, he's slightly more sympathetic, but whenever I, uh, when I'm writing it, and I feel he's got. He's become too sympathetic. I try to write a dread nasty story just to correct the back. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, there's a question just for the writers. How do you keep the continuity? How long has it been now? How long ago did he, did he start the dread? Was it 77? So how, how do we so. keep the, the continuity straight? Do you even bother? Uh, well, most of it's in my head, and uh, quite often when I'm writing a story, and I, I'm I don't check about stories I don't know about. I find that I've written something somebody else has written, so I've got to rip up the script and start again. 
Actually, I can't remember what question you asked. How do you keep Dread's continuity straight when you come to write new stories? Uh, well, I, the, the editor really is an overall charge of that. Uh, uh, but I have an I ideas in my head about what he can do and what he can't do, and I will never uh, go outside those. Dread's always got to be the same Dread. It's a, extremely important that the character of Dread remains pretty much the same and if there's one really good thing I've done with Dread it's to keep him pretty much the same and not to go out and change the story too much he's a winning formula so I've always thought why change a winning formula so in your hands he'll never find love or? no he'll never find love <laughs> <laughs> except from me <laughs> but it's, it's interesting when you say like it's, it's a winning formula so, so why change it but the question I sort of want to ask which is actually the, the point when we were putting, to, putting together these panels is if the four of you are all editors for example and you've got the decision of whether I know he's already taken a long walk before anyone says it to make Dread take the long walk and that's it he's done no more Dread or to kill off Dread completely or to, or, to, or, or, to, or to find a way to keep him going indefinitely, given the fact that you do age him along with mm -hmm. the comic, which choice would you opt for? That's to all of you. Well, having stupidly killed off Johnny Alpha, uh, <laughs> and regretted it for, what, 20 years before I brought him back to life again, uh, I would never kill off Dread. I would never kill off he's the golden goose, why would you do it? And it would be crazy. And if I tried, Rebellion would jump on me. <laughs> In fact, I've asked them if I could write the uh, Dredge death script, and they've said, well, you can write it, but don't bother sending it. Let's put it another way, because it's, it's, it's a very, very established world, the, the Dreadverse. Is it established enough to exist and carry on without dread and stuff. I don't think um, so, no. I don't think no. I'd like to draw that. Yeah. No. no, I think um, it would lose something. Yeah. Uh, it's like Strontium Dogs became after Johnny Alpha died. You know, it was all right, but nobody loved it anymore. Yeah. So I like the stories there. Yeah. <laughs> you could do some, some great characters there, but without dread, he's, he's the things that bonds that's yeah. right you ties it all together you can, you can do spin-off stories as other series set yeah. in the same world but that all kind of becomes redundant Dread's not in it anymore as as no, even if he doesn't appear in the story he's always in the back you always know that he's there yeah and if he wasn't there and you knew it then, then it would yeah. lose a lot of its impact and we thought we were daring in the early days writing episodes of Dread where Dread didn't actually appear but he was always there, the whole story was a Dread story, even if he wasn't in it, the, the world was Dread's world, but if he wasn't there anymore I think interest in the story would rapidly wane and There's always a fear of Dread in every story, even if it, you know what is, one of the things I like about the strip is the fact that you can do stories that are, you know basically just you know any one citizen and uh, you can tell somebody else's story but you know, Dread is always that presence that they're trying to avoid or they're trying to escape or who's going to turn up at the end and be judge, jury and executioner 
I've never understood this whole thing. It's like that TV show Gotham. I want to see Gotham without Batman in it. The thing that worries me about Gotham is that by the time he's grown up and become Batman, all his villains would be too old to be villains. Oh yeah, there's a lot of yeah. rewriting there. Forget it. They're making it up as they go along. So that's a resounding no. Just out, just out of interest, what would the, what would the audience say? Would you... Are you all unanimous? Would you? Could you see dreadverse stories without dread? No. Absolutely. So, with, given the continuity and the way that the world ages, then I feel like you, there might be the possibility of, of replacing dread with, say, Rico, and then there's a, obviously there would be a period of change, but but he would end up being a dread, if not the dread. Um, that would yeah, I think you could make that yeah. work. It w- it wouldn't work for me because I remember this. There was talk about it in the in the nineties yeah. about the fact that you know they were going to clone him and it was going to be a new dread and all that. And I immediately was like, yeah, that's not the same dread though. I know it sounded like even though it was just a way to keep it going, it just didn't. I thought no, because that's a that's a different dread. That's not the dread. You know? mm-hmm. But for a writer, it would be a very meaty challenge. I would quite like to do it. I wouldn't kill off Dread, yeah. but if I had to, I would enjoy the whole process of making a new Dread as impactful as the old one yeah. and making a decent substitute. But well, yeah, I don't think it would work. I know for me, as a, again, as, as a kid, the, the story that really, really impacted me, and it, it still does now, was the, Apocaly- the Apocalypse War storyline. Um, it just it blew my mind as a kid when I read it. Um, do you ever think that, and I kind of thought at the time, that's as far as, you, can, you know, they really pushed the boundaries, you can't get any further than that, they destroy the city and blah, blah, blah. Do you ever think with any of your stories, um, or any <coughs> stories you've worked on, that this is this will go into far with this story, in terms of where we are with society now, this is a little bit too close to the bone, there's been any stories you've actually pulled because of that? Well, I don't think so on Dread because Dread is extreme, but on comics I've worked on before, like uh, One-Eyed Jack and Valiant, I felt sometimes I had gone too far with that. Um, Just on the violence side, well, you know I like to write violent comics, and sometimes for the age group that those were for, I thought some of the stuff I did was too much. But Dread, he is... uh, an extreme kind of guy, and I never worry too much about. It. Although, actually, what, what was it? A, a, a billion people he killed with. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, it's a bit heavy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a day's work for the really. <laughs> Another day at the office. What do you do, Stacy? With a billion people? Oh, okay, put the kettle on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember really vividly. There was one image. It might have been at the tail end of the Apocalypse War, I can't remember, but there was a pit with loads of people, and it was just this image of judges standing around and just <laughs> shooting in there. It was just like, as, a, as a teenager, it's kind of really... For me, that, that was one of the uh, most shocking pictures I draw for, um, for the Apocalypse War, you know, because you can draw a, build, a big building just crumbling or a full planet just going out. But it was more close the thing to see the, the judges just shooting the, the other the normal people in cold blood, you know, it's, mm, I don't remember why. They were traitors, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. They were traitors. They wanted to make peace, I think. 
Ich kann auch warten. Nur making, auch nur making <lacht> peace. <and all. lacht> yeah, what were they thinking? Well, judge, jury, execution. That's yeah. what they are. Yeah. Now, one good thing about Carlos's uh, approach to it is just, that... Just the one well, just <laughs> one of the many good things is <laughs> you, you can write the most extreme stuff and it, it won't look extreme when he draws it. It'll look pretty bad, but Carlos always softens the, the very nasty edges of a story. Well, yeah. It's useful, really. Yeah, I never like the kind of, um, when I draw, I don't like the kind of gory pictures. Sometimes some writers, they force me even. But I, I try to avoid as much as possible. I always thought that a picture could be mm, as dramatic or even more just in a gun shooting and just a little drop of blood coming out of the picture. It can be more dramatic than just a head blowing up with all the, mm, you know, the brains, something like that. Is. Uh, Less is more. Yeah. Yes, There's a lot I, to be said for Lenin. People use their imagination when they're yeah. looking at it. Sometimes it'll make it more powerful to them. Yeah, it's, it's very easy. Yes. It's very easy to make a to make a shot and then just to see um, something very gory. That is the easy way to to, to solution. Yeah, it's, it's like in a, a good uh, ghost or horror story. The, the the real good horror things are generally just suggested. Yeah. They're not full on in your face. The, uh, what was I going to ask? It's right here. Um, one of the things, one of the things I just I came to love. Oh, sorry, I'm not going to ask that. I'm going to ask this. Uh, so, is, is there an artist rule book for coming to Dread? So, when you come to Dread, you know, Carlos Carl set that bar. Uh, what is it like for you taking up that? Uh, well, obviously, you can't. You know, something like Carlos <coughs> is Carlos. You know, you you got to put your own stamp on something. So, and I think. A lot of artists, so many people have drawn Dread, and the staying power of Dread is, is whether the fans and whether people take to the way that you interpret Dread. And I think sometimes it works with some artists, and artists might be great as superheroes, but might not necessarily take on Dread well, and vice versa, and various other things. So, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I don't really know. It's... I don't really know. <laughs> Sorry. Just make it up. Yeah, pretty much. What was it? Uh, you said something earlier which I thought was interesting. And what was it about you maturing that made you make him more realistic as you got? I just think that you can kind of, kind of relate to um, people a little bit better as the more experienced you are, as you grow up. And uh, dread becomes more human the more, to me, the more that I. You know, got older and, and understood the fact that he is what he is, and he is the law, and he is that's it. You know, and he has very little conscience about what he does. You know, and that he, he he's very uh, narrow-minded in what he's got to achieve and everything else. And you just kind of relate to it. And if you put a little bit of yourself into that, into any character that you draw, especially Dread, which is why I kind of, I kind of feel very. Yeah, I can just see him, he's just there, do you know what I mean? Um, that, um, that I can, I don't know, it just makes it so much more realistic and humane. You know, I can just kind of feel the character. It doesn't happen with every character, but I, I think that's why I'm still drawing him 20 years later. Not tired of drawing him? No, no, God no. no tired of drawing the Dark Judges. <laughs> 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 not, not tired of drawing 
uh, just read. Is that why you, you like to play him in films? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> just read. Yeah, I did uh, play Dread in the just mini film. So that was just a little cameo thing that just kind of springboarded onto everything. Maybe. Could you give us a Dread pose that you... No. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> um, so we have, like, so you have judges in other nations, other countries, in, in the comic or whatever. Um, does, that, does that say something about their societies through the comic, through satire, or is it just a, just a nice thing to have in the comic? I mean, I think you're going too deep for me. <laughs> no, no. What was the question again? Basically, <laughs> basically, looking at judges in other countries. Yeah. I suppose let me simplify it. What was the rationale for having judges from other countries in the comic? Why not just focus just solely on Mega City One? Uh, that was so I could get some work basically. <laughs> John and, and Alan and everybody really were writing dread, so the, the, the judge read Megan, so it's a case of, oh, what about Japanese judges? They'll be good and anything. Scottish judges, yeah, any Robert sort of judge. Up one day and he said, oh, can you give me some stuff to do? He said, no, I'd like some Calhab judges and yeah. some. <laughs> yeah, I think partly. I mean, I'm being flippant to some degree, but I am also being realistic as a freelance writer. It was like, mm. Dredd was somebody else's property, and obviously yeah. in genre. And any time I write Dredd, I tend to be, it's in my head, it's always kind of filling stories. Any big continuity stuff is obviously John's. Mm. So um, I suppose to have spin-offs with judges in other worlds, it gave you a chance to create your own character in that world, which is kind mm. of the way I did with and Shimura and stuff like that. It was just to give you know, a chance to do something that was a bit more... You could control the destiny of your character yeah. rather than just being, you know... Sort of Have you got a favourite <coughs> foreign judge? Uh, well, the ones I've written, or just oh, in, in general. general. Yeah, general. Uh, well, I still find the Shimura, the one I did with Japanese judges, because I always... I really was a big fan of our man in Hondo and John and Colin McNeil did Japanese. Thing. Yeah. And I think my original... Um, my original pitch to do the Japanese chess one was to, to use that <coughs> character and I can't remember his name now. And then I, I put the picture in and said, Oh, we're killing him off in a few months' time. So I ended up I came up with a different character. So yeah. But it grew out of that, you know, the judges had already been designed, there was already a setup that, you know yeah. they were kind of, I, I like the idea that they were more like, you know, you, you had the whole samurai ethos could sort of fit in could apply to the judges quite well. So um, it caught a lot of artists' imagination, especially Brendan McCarthy, who I think did that yeah, Judges of the Worlds yeah. off his own bat. The remember. Mexican yeah. judges, I remember those. Oh, They're yeah. really the yeah, banana sea. Yeah, yeah. That was brutal. <laughs> I remember that thinking, they were great because they were so corrupt. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, I'd like to see those guys come back. I remember <laughs> Carlos complaining at me when these stories were written about how come the Spanish guys always speak pigeon and they're all because <laughs> <laughs> of our ignorance <laughs> but uh, a lot of these I mean when you've written 20 years of stories you're looking for oh Japanese judges let's do those and you know uh, it's not always a good idea but uh, it's, it's been interesting the, the, the dark judge. Why are you, you fed up with the dark judge? I don't know. I'm not. I could know. I was only joking about that. No, I, I love. I was fighting. I love those. Guys. I know. I, as John knows, I bugged him for two years to do that strip, and it's because I just absolutely love those 
those characters, and they were the first. They gave me nightmares when I was yeah, a kid, and I still remember being on a school trip in the Isle of Wight, and this friend of mine showed me these these dark. The first Brian Bolland, Just Death for Lips, where they all came out, and I was I couldn't sleep or anything. I was on <laughs> and I just sort of, and then I was drawing them all the time, and and just, and I think that's why. And I'd never done a really solid book, 2008. It was always lots of short stories. And, and I needed something as well to really get my teeth into. So, and I just really want to do those characters, you know. I'd done a painting for, as a commission for them before and sent to John and eventually uh, that's kind of got the ball rolling on the whole thing. And they're not easy characters to get right. Mm. People just get, think, oh, it's, it's good, put a big grin on his face, but and it's not, it's quite subtle, you know. Because the, they don't say much when they're the original they, Dark Judges. They don't need to, do they? No, they don't, but, you know, the just death that's been around for a while that took over from the um, from the more sinister side of things, he, he's quite vocal, whereas these don't say much. They literally just go, he is there, kill him, you know, and then appear and look, and that's how they should be. And they were great to do, but tough, really tough to get right. Mm. Yeah. Much tougher than I thought it was going to be, I feel <laughs> Right, well, we've got a, just now, see, I've, I've now just looked up, which was a mistake I made. It's like, don't look down. I've looked up and seen, we've got a completely full room. I'm going to look this way. Um, so, rather than us just rabbit in on, um, if anyone's got any questions, just stick your hand up and ask. Um, would you ever want to do a strip that, that you wrote and Mm-hmm. 
ages. And I said to him, I said, but I never forgot it. And you, you don't, you often forget those first pages in 2008. You don't forget the yeah. dull page spread. Mm. It's like the, uh, what was the one that Mick McMahon did with the... Yeah, he no, was... ABC Warriors ones, yeah? Yeah, I mean, they, they were all really, yeah. you know, they, they kind of grabbed you by the collar and yeah. just went, wow. And when, if you saw the original artwork as well, you was like, it's a mm. big piece of artwork. Yeah, so I kind of do, I'd quite like to, yeah. like to do a big... I just fill up the whole two pages with a big dread face, so I won't have to do that. Look at the corner of that, the second face, I'm going to They're not great for the secondary sort of graphic novel market. Yeah. No, this, yeah. is, this is one mm-hmm. of the things that we, but to be honest, this, the first pages in the graphic novel is obviously, it's quite throwaway anyway sometimes. I think there's a way of making it work, but <coughs> you know, you I think that possibly could be mm-hmm. to do with it. Because... Mm-hmm. It really did have an impact, and no other comic actually did that. You know, yeah. they picked up an American copy, another copy, it was all the standard. Way you picked yeah, up just the thread was in the middle pages, and it was usual. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. But as a writer, looking at it, it's like if you have to do that every issue, it's mm-hmm. with, you know, it, it means you can't have any build up, you have to immediately drop that's in, right, yeah. and it means everything has to begin bigger, does cause. Mm-hmm. And as nowadays they do collect Wasn't things. Wasn't there the odd story which started the page before the double spread? Quite often, uh, he especially would take scenes from the body of the story and start with them, and then you know, a lot of the rest would be a sort of building up to that scene. Which, uh, when you've only got four pages or three pages left after that, it really shortens your story. Yeah. Okay, another question. Um, this is to the writers more than anything. Uh, the, when I was growing up with Dread. Um, the one thing that really did grab me was the, the satire of uh, the, the Dreadverse. And certainly when I was reading when I was a kid, the satire was very strong and uh, very powerful and very funny. Uh, the question is, do you feel that um, you're not writing so much in terms of satire for Dread? Or do you feel now in today's <coughs> world it's kind of redundant? I think the script's got a lot more serious. Yeah. Through it, it, it was it was a bit could be a bit silly in the past. Uh, I had no problem with that. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think some of the satire has been been lost, but it, yeah. it's still there. Yeah, I I think also the real life now is yeah is even more comical than the than the old satire. Yes, obviously stories when John did a bit the. The fatties are sort of rolling around with our, you know, the, the, mini, the mini wheel under the belly. It's, you know, you look around and you think, things ain't that different. It's kind of almost like society is, is almost caught up with what you've started with Dread. So a lot of those, and that's why I asked the question about, you know, um, do you ever think you go too far? Because a lot of those stories now are actually happening where they never yeah. seemed to be happening when I was a kid. So they, they, they felt futuristic. It was always sense. Alan Grant's theory that Dread didn't go down that so well in America because America was yeah. already like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and to some extent, he was right. Do you miss some of the silliness that went before? Like, uh, the do, do you miss doing those of these trips? Well, the, 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 well, not silly. I mean, the, the, certainly the, the, the heavy satire. <coughs> yeah, some of them. Yeah, some of Do you think they could? Do those strips again yeah, in 2018? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. 
you know, today maybe it's more difficult to do that kind of satire with the kind of world we are living now, you know. Okay. Or maybe with the kind of information we got now with internet and so on. So it reach to more people the stupid things they re they reach to much more people than before. Has anyone has it, I don't know if anyone's read uh, Al Ewing's Captain Britain and the Martin Defenders? Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's used um, a Judge Dredd analog. I mean, it's not even subtle uh, technical bosses. And um, and it's just a bit, you know, where they work out what to do with people. They say, well, keep them kettled. And I just thought we've just had this debate about kettling recently with the police. And I just think it's, it's you know, it just grabs me how you can always get back to something quite scary in reality with Dredd. Mm -hmm. You know, that's always been part of the appeal for me. In the middle of all the silliness mm. and madness, is stuff which is so close to home. Good. Next question. We'll just get you to answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's quite good, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll make it go. <laughs> Luckily, I have no ego. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask about dreading other mediums. I've, I've been reading Dread from 77 and 2008, and I've been fascinated by his representations elsewhere. Radio was one, the, the little radio play, which is really we've had two films, a lot of um, fan stuff, the judgment stuff and cursed earth, a kind of like internet stuff. Do you think there's still space for dread to kind of come out into a broader because it, it always feels very British to me, dread's always seemed to be a very British thing that doesn't seem to break out, but doesn't seem to break out to kind of a more global thing. Because um, I know a lot of people love the Nancy Ireland recent version of Dread. Do you think there's room for Dread to explode out into the mediums? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's, let's break that, if we can break that down a little bit. So let's start with the Alex Garland movie. And I just, these are things you've worked on. You see, how did it feel to see that realised on the big screen without Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> Uh, well, it was interesting following the process from script one and seeing uh, what Alex's plans were and why he was doing things. And although at first I had um, reservations about the narrowness of the story that he came up with, I came quite soon to see the logic of it, especially considering the budget of the movie. So it, that was one of the things that was... I think I'm probably answering the wrong question here, but that was one of the things that was wrong with the first movie, is that they tried to do too much, a bit of everything, whereas Alex focused more narrowly on uh, one aspect of the city, and it was the only way he could tell an intelligible story. Uh, yeah, I think you can, even you can take on the second one, like one day in, in, the, in the life of just dread, you know, it's mm. perfectly. So he only hinted at some of the insanity that goes on in the city, and just it was a basic, uh, hard-edged shoot 'em up. For me, the only problem was, and it was due to the budget, it was the the what the landscapes. It was not futuristic enough. No, mm -hmm. the opening uh, sequence with all the modern cars and it was a bit of a letdown. But yes, they it was were quite an exciting yes, chase. They, they were not even modern cars; they were cars from the sixties. Mm -hmm. or 70s, so I thought I thought the Judge Minty film did that much yeah. better actually yeah. and, and I did try and recommend to them to use some of these guys on their CGI but they didn't uh, take me up on that 
suppose the ideal thing will be uh, a mixing between the first <coughs> one and the second one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the story of the second one with the look of the first exactly, one. That's yes, exactly, yes. Because yeah. on the first one, they make a beautiful city and mm -hmm. the bikes, they were also quite impressive. Yeah. Everything was, was quite good. In the second one, the bikes look like a little bit like cardboard, you know? Yeah. And, but once inside the story, it was, it was very good indeed, you know? Mm -hmm. So the, the second part of the question, if I'm wrong, is basically can Dread exist outside of the UK? Is that kind of what you're... Outside, outside of the comics. Outside, outside of the comics, yeah. Audio books, short films. There's been a few games. There's been, you know, some, uh, big There's been a few novels. Well, I'll tell you one thing is that when I saw the, the second Dread film, um, the first one I took away was like, that would make for a really good TV series yeah. in, the, in the current climate that we've got now. Is that something that you think it would, it would work as a Dread TV series? Yeah, that, that, I think that would be the thing that might popularise Dread more worldwide. It's something that down at uh, Bournemouth last week, probably 10 or 15 people said how much they would like to see a Dread TV series. I think it could look very good if it was done in the style of the Batman animation, for instance. It mm. could look really good. And that's what you need to popularise it worldwide. There's a couple of films, one that was just silly and the other one that was um, half ruined by the first film. And they didn't get to enough people. But a TV series would be a big help. I think especially with, like, so we just had Daredevil out, which was by Netflix, and I think that was kind of, kind of crystallised it in my mind that something like that, that kind of gritty edge like Daredevil did on Netflix, where you literally, you just put out all ten episodes in one go, there you go, the Dread series, mm -hmm. I think that would be one way of getting out there, but then of course, again, you know, it's another medium, what you really want to be able to do is be able to break the comics out and get, get the comics out to more people. Um, but that's a, is how you do that. But then that is then built within that whole idea of how do you get comics out to more people in general. Yeah, big risk for uh, for Americans with dread because they just I don't know. I said I've got a lot of American friends and I once asked them why do you think dread has not taken over? And they said, well, because it's British. I said, well, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. They went, well, because we like our American characters. And when they found out it was British, it was like, oh, they're trying to take over our American characters. And I was like, that can't be true, because he's just a great character. Yeah. And then they said, anyway, the, the, nobody wants a Stallone film. And I was just like, it can't win. You can't win with that, because it was nothing to do with the character. So, yeah. And they were just being honest about it. But also, the Americans, they do not understand the humor there. No, they, they don't even, understand yeah. irony uh, even, as much as... Even yet. But The Simpsons is very ironic, you know, there's a lot yeah, of stuff. Yeah, but it's right? different kind of thing. Um, to <coughs> happen, even with professionals of the comic, sometimes I have uh, some editors and so on asking me a few years ago, why the hell have we, I have done such a fascist character? <laughs> and I say, listen, for me, fascist is bad <coughs> because he's a vigilante, are uh, Captain America, all of these, they are vigilante. They are not following the law. Dread is not, you can consider more or less fascist, but it's not a fascist. It's, he can be a tax inspector, you know, perfectly. So, but uh, 
They do not understand that. They do not understand the humor that is in the, in the show. But, but I was there not. for the very first showing with Carl, me and Carl Urban went to see the very first show. You've not even seen it, the first Dread movie. So I was there for the very first show in the San Diego Comic Con for me and the, uh, not just for me, but for a small group of us um, and the press. And me, Jock, was, was there as well. And um, Alex Garland and some of the cast there and none of them had seen it except for Alex Garland mostly but Carl Urban and, and everybody was just like roommates roommates that like was a this. big room that, yeah. was, that was a good yeah. yeah 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 and and it was you know and they did not even done a press release for it they were and then all of a sudden everybody just came out of that cinema and went that was amazing and they went oh we better try and squeeze it in now yeah. everyone just didn't understand what it was, even then, even though they got a film and brush it under the carpet. And all of a sudden it was too late then. Yeah. You know, it's a real shame because the buzz when we came out of that picture was fantastic. On oh, the streets you were yeah. just talking on the streets about that it. That was it. Everybody was just like, wow. And I remember Carl Urban coming out of that and just going, Wow, you know, you haven't made a great film there. He was so happy. You know. Just just to capitalise on your your question even more. Just think about Judge Dredd in prose and sort of in audio. I've just just got this image up, and I'm just thinking again. It's just it's just a beautiful, That's beautiful a image. Um, does Judge Dredd work what? without the visual? Fantastic. Okay. That's a double page spread. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that immediately grabs me. That they've just released the, Still, uh, the novel mean, series, or they're about to release the novel. Are, are, are so they I'm I'm, I don't know. I'd like to know what Rebecca does. Has anybody read any Judge Dredd Does it work without the visual? Yeah, yeah. I like how the centre of the crease is there. It's the mushroom. It's just beautiful. <laughs> well, they, they did. I think it was a, an audio drama of the Apocalypse War. Um, and I'm a big audio drama fan. I listened to it. And I, I enjoyed it. But literally, I finished listening to it and then went and dug out my <laughs> copies of Apocalypse yeah. and then started reading it. Because all it did is made me think, I, really, I need to see. I need to see the image and these two visuals. Which is weird for me, because I said, because I do like that type of medium. So for me, I, I don't know... It, it kind of works and it kind of doesn't. I think it's a good way to bring people in to to the comic. Okay. We've got time for one more question. Someone wants to be the last one. Oh! Who's your favourite supporting character? Uh, would you like to see them come back at all? They were on. Rob, Rob Schneider. You took it from the comics. From the comics. The guy that um, I forget his name there. Oh, the guy that was in It Pays to Be Mental. Oh yeah. Right. Now I love that guy. I actually, you think I spoke to you about it like yeah. a long time ago. I said, like, "Can I do something with this guy?" And they sort of fizzled out. Uh, I don't follow that, yeah. up to it, uh, but that's the sort of satire you were, the craziness yeah, you were talking about. Yeah. yeah, that was a real fun story to write. Because I love the fact that he'd be speaking to the viewers, and then there's yeah. one shit, hey. one shot that Ian Gibson did where 
he says, who's speaking to me? He points out to us, and then Dreadlock <laughs> looks out of the <laughs> comic strip, and I thought that was just yeah. perfect. Yeah. Magruder was also quite an character. Yeah, Magruder had it. The chief judge. Yeah, yeah. But on the, on the last part of her, you know, with the little bear. <laughs> 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 oh, 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 no, no, don't be sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody do anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> is it one that I'm genuinely very genuinely intimidated? <laughs> so is the guy in the, the judge child story of the moustache, the dread kicked? Yeah, yeah, dread kicked hounding oh. him because the moustaches were against regular <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember I can't really remember the circumstances, I just remember at the end of it he gets killed, doesn't he? And somebody turns you around the dread and says something like, You killed him because he had a moustache. <laughs> I always say, Yeah, I kinda of feel sorry for that guy here that I often think that when I see my judge force and get a shave. <laughs> <laughs> McNeil always did judges with the moustache then. Yeah, well, that's just, it was just the one really, himself, wasn't it? yeah. Uh, Once he's quite finished, <laughs> take a break. I'm just a bit naughty. Let's round this up before we get a kick in. <laughs> yeah, so I think the conclusion we come to is that Dread shall never die. <laughs> the Dreadverse will live forever. And. Um, it should be a much more valuable export than America seems to realise it is. Absolutely. One day it will be a historical. You know, one day the world will progress so much that dread will seem like you know, reading the Tudor mice or something. <laughs> the people refer to it as the classics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please give a round of applause. <laughs>